This Sunday morning, we gather, all of us, young and old, to commit ourselves to a deeper understanding of the ways in which white supremacy culture keeps us from manifesting love in the world and harms black lives. So we may not rest yet. My colleague, Lauren Wyeth, shared a simple, powerful truth in her message for children at her congregation at First Universalist of Minneapolis last weekend. She began her message with these words. As Unitarian Universalists, we promise to speak the truth in love. Sometimes the truth we have to speak about is very sad or very complicated or scary or un but we speak the truth in love anyway, because the truth will set us free. I hope to do this today, and some of what we say today will be hard to hear. So Lauren explained to her South Minneapolis congregation that a black man, George Floyd, was killed by a white police officer, not far from where they worship. As the police officer kneeled on his neck after he was handcuffed and on the ground, and another police officer weighed down his back, he said, I cannot breathe. A brave teen recorded what was happening to witness the police violence, and that video was shared after George's death. And that began the protests there. Well, there are now protests across the country, and they've been happening for days. They are to remember George Floyd, and they are to call for accountability so that police violence is no longer ignored or excused. And the protests have grown because it is not just in Minneapolis that this could happen. Anti-blackness and racism is a problem not somewhere else, and the Pacific Northwest is not an exception. Here, just a little way south of us in March, a black man, Manuel Ellis, died in police custody as a result of the way the police restrained him. Manuel also said, I cannot breathe. And in 2017, Charlena Lyles, a black woman and a mother, was shot and killed by white police officers in her home here in Seattle. And so people are protesting in our community and across the country for George Floyd and for Manuel Ellis and Charlena Lyles and Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade and the countless other black people whose lives have been taken by police violence. It is hard to hear and hard to face but that's the truth that we must hold in love. Lauren also shared this. She said, police are supposed to help and protect everyone, but black people have always been treated unfairly by police. They are far more likely to be accused of things they didn't do and more likely to be harmed in their interactions. Police officers have a lot of power and a lot of responsibility. And so people are protesting because this power is often used to harm black people and there is little accountability. Black leaders in our community and in communities across the United States are calling for an end to policing. They want money to be given to black communities directly so that people can choose how they want to care for each other. We want to live in communities 
where when someone needs assistance for any reason, no matter who they are, they can count on trained helpers showing up with kindness and concern and the knowledge that they need to do that safely. Black community leaders say, we might have to start over with a brand new way so that black people and indigenous and brown people too can trust community helpers to help everyone. Our Unitarian Universalist faith calls us to be a people of action who work to create justice here in this world. And we make mistakes and sometimes we do not act because we are not sure of the way forward. We find it hard to imagine a new way. So as a community, we can remind one another of what we can do. First, we listen and we learn and we remember. And then we act, following the lead of wise black leaders whose ideas will help us all to find that way forward, to take apart the systems that have caused harm and to create new ways of serving all people justly. Let's take a moment, that was a lot. Lauren shared this prayer that I know that she would like to share with you as well. Pray with me. God of many names, we know breath is life. May all people everywhere breathe freely. We feel our connection to the whole human family as we breathe in and we breathe out. We hear those words in love. I'd like to close with Lauren's words. I think she got it just right. <clears throat> what happened to George Floyd and what keeps happening to black communities in our city and our country is terrible and wrong. Whenever you have any questions about it, I'm speaking to the children and youth in particular, you can ask us and we will speak truth <clears throat> in love. Knowing hard things is still easier than having questions we can't ask or feelings that we can't talk about. And so ask your questions and feel the feelings that you have and talk to the adults who love you so that we can help you. Kids, I promise you this, we adults will work as hard as we can to fix these problems by keeping our hearts open even when they're broken by lifting up the voices of our wise black leaders, by listening for what love is asking us to do next. We love you so much, and the love that we feel helps us to be determined to make a better world. Let us pray. Take a breath. Take a breath, slow and sure. Sure that the molecules of oxygen that your body needs to survive will make their way to the crevices of your lungs, into the blood streaming through your veins, giving you life with every breath. Breathe. Breath the freedom and dignity of life due to every one of us. Breath, the gasp at the atrocity of harm. Breath, the resilience to take another 
and then another breath. Oh, living, breathing spirit of life, breathe with us into this day, our prayers and cries for a new way in this nation. Breathe with us these seemingly feeble prayers for the end of all that destroys black life. Breathe into us courage and conviction that despite not knowing whether our actions will change anything, we act anyway, and we speak up anyway. Breathe into us, O source of strength. Breathe with us, O spirit of compassion. Breathe this breath and the next. Amen. Love is Calling by Jess Reynolds. Love is calling for liberation. The love is hoarse from calling, her voice raw from the decades she has spent chanting at protests and speaking from pulpits and singing the songs of freedom. Love is weeping into a white candle she cups in her hands at a vigil for one more black life lost, ripped away, gunned down, forgotten. She is holding the hands of a grieving mother and praying aloud for peace. This is where love shows up, where love has always shown up. She is tugging at our hands and our sleeves, begging us to lay down our egos and take up our courage and dedicate our lives to justice. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and status quo than about justice and humanity. These are the words of Martin Luther King Jr. spoken in 1967, two years after the California Watts riots and just after the Harlem riots. My friends, we have certainly reached and entered into a time of civic unrest. And as people of faith, we must attend to what is happening and we must commit ourselves to hearing. The pandemic we are living through is revealing the deep inequities that have been institutionalized over generations and generations in our communities. Racial injustice and white supremacy live in our streets, in the halls of our government and in our communities and in our neighborhoods. We witness to the killing of unarmed black people, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Ar Arbery. These are just a few of the lives that have been stolen. We witness to the government turning on peaceful protesters with tear gas and rubber bullets while white armed 
protesters take over state capitals with impunity. We witness to the death of black and brown people at higher rates from this virus. We witness to the prisons and detention centers filled with black, brown, and poor people and children separated from their families. We witness to the economic inequity that deprives people of access to food, water, housing, decent jobs, healthcare, and protections in their workplaces. We witness to the homeless communities being displaced from encampments in the streets of Seattle. So many people dying, so many people going hungry, so many people denied access to healthcare. So many people done with the normal we have been living in for way too long now. A normal built on inequity, on oppression and exploitation, on an economic model that values profit over human life and care for our planet. It feels like a threshold. It feels like we have come to this place, this place where we may be able to see more clearly how broken things are, but we can't yet see how they might be. And this is uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable place to be in, to be with all this pain and injustice and not to be able to see our way forward through this. I hope that this is a tipping point, a moment where we can collectively declare we cannot tolerate this injustice for one more moment, where we struggle together to find a way forward together that is life-giving, equitable, and just. I've heard people calling for healing, calling for peace, but I don't think that any of us should turn so easily to comfort and rest. I think we should sit for a while with this unease, with our fear, our grief, our anxiousness, because these are some unsettling messages we must hear and attend to. First, we need to stop asking ourselves why George Floyd was killed. We need to refuse to listen to explanations of why Ahmed Arbery was shot, because when we wonder what provoked their murder, we open up the possibility that we could ever justify killing people on the streets in our towns and our cities. As if we could ever think that this was justice, it makes us culpable of modern day lynching. Next, we need to realize that our desire for peace, for normality is part of the problem. The majority of the world lives in the violence of poverty and oppression and then tranquility we may find in our communities comes at the cost of armed suppression of those struggling for basic needs. And I want us to be aware that our hero worship of the police, our desire to see them as our defenders is problematic. We have heard over and over stories of irresponsible violence at the hands of the police, yet we are safe and protected where we are. 
We know the police as good people, protecting us from bad people. But it isn't always that simple, good people and bad people. This week I spoke to a group of the local clergy who told me how good the police chief here in Kirkland is. She actively engages her offices in anti-racist training. This isn't about who is good or who is bad. It is the system, not the individuals, that is rotten. It's not bad apples, it's a rotten orchard. The soil, the seeds, and the trees, the whole system is guilty and culpable. Until recently, I've talked about how we have a broken system and we need to fix it. This past week, friends in the black community have corrected me. They argue that the system works exactly it was as, as it was engineered to do. The current police system has its historic foundation out of the slave patrols, and it was formed to protect the property of the well-off and to subjugate minorities. And the police are effectively immune from any consequences for their actions. The way we police this country is in direct disregard to our first principle as Unitarian Universalists, where we declare the respect and dignity for all. So sit with these provocative ideas for a while before you reject them, or before you argue with them. It is our religious obligation to listen. Just listen to the stories being told by black, brown, and poor people of the world. If there is rioting in the streets, it is because we have not listened, not heard, and not responded. Our theological work is to, not to call for peace. It is to call for justice. And what does justice making look like in this time of social distancing? When so many of us are exhausted and depleted just trying to survive right now, when it may not feel safe to take to the streets for ourselves or for our communities, what can we do to speak up about justice? I think we can and we must discover new ways to express both our outrage and our deepest held values, to make our voices heard, led by the people and the communities most impacted by the injustice. Look for organizations that are led by people of color, honoring their experience and leadership. And this is why I urge you again to register for the Poor People's Campaign Rally that is happening on June 20th at three o'clock in the afternoon, the largest virtual rally in history. And look for actions from Black Lives Unitarian Universalism, otherwise called BLUE. And if you're white and you wanna learn what it looks like to be an, a good ally in times like this, check out Surge, that's showing up for racial justice and they're having an online training this Tuesday evening. Right now, more is crumbling around us than is being created. And maybe that is what we need. We need systems that have perpetuated racism and inequality to crumble. And we will bear witness to that crumbling 
and we will help tear down what violates our most deeply held values. We will grieve. We will grieve the unbearable losses that are happening. We will position ourselves in the tragic gap between what is and what we know in our hearts, minds, and bodies to be possible. And then, and then let us choose what is just over and over and over again. Let us find a more life-giving way forward together. Amen.